0: You know, Ben, I legitimately thought the big blunder we were going to chat about to start the show today would be the Santiago Espinal base running mistake. And, and we'll certainly discuss that. Oh, yeah. But uh, woo. old pal Reese McGuire, who, you know, in 2021, I was doing Jay's talk and people are calling in being like, hey, maybe Reese McGuire, everyday catcher, perhaps, and making an even bigger. Base running blunder in the bottom of the ninth inning clearly thinks Connor Wong had just walked it off, completely misjudges where the ball is in relation to the green monster, gets doubled off at second for the game ending play. Like, that is a wild, outrageous way for this one to end. Like, if you go back and listen to either the radio or TV call of that final game ending play, the crowd at Fenway is just stunned, absolutely stunned that that game. Ends like that. It's, it's an inexplicable
1: play by McGuire. I mean, there's a, a couple things that could happen there. That ball could get out. If you're standing on second base, the Red Sox win the game. If that ball gets caught and you're standing on second base, you can advance to third if you want and make it that, you know, Swanson can't miss in the dirt. If that ball hits the wall and bounces past the two outfielders who are both on the track yeah. and you're standing on second base, you score and the game is tied. Even if you want to say maybe he wouldn't have scored from second fine. You can go halfway, but to round third base and start heading home on a fly ball that didn't even hit the wall. Like obviously he hit it somewhat deep. Kiermaier had to make a nice catch. He didn't go like full leap and slam into the monster. Like he had at least a little bit of room and Reese McGuire, looks at Santiago Espinal's ante and just goes all in, just raises one of the most brutal. I mean, there's been a lot of bad base running that Blue Jays fans have watched this year. I'm not sure anyone's made a play like that. Like that is insane from Reese McGuire and completely gifts the Blue Jays there an easy way out in a ninth inning that was starting to turn really hairy.
0: Yeah, Eric Swanson looked like he was having some trouble locating the zone. At, at the same time, there was a, I think it was actually on from Reese McGuire himself, who hit a ball way below the zone to get on base. So again, Eric Swanson may be the victim of some bad luck as Dude well. Duvall
1: infield single also. Like exactly. makes so, a nice play.
0: You know, what are you going to do? I I, I I get it. And, and yes, ultimately Swanson did ha- let up a run ultimately at the end of this game, but Good heavens. That is an absolutely wild way for this one to end. Uh, that's Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. Welcome to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're streaming on sportsnet.ca and on the Sportsnet app as well. Taking your calls and texts. Phone lines are open, of course. 416-870-0590. 590 Star 590. On your cellular device, Five ninety five ninety, of course, is where you can text us. That's the People's Text Line, which is always open. I <laughs> do see a text here from... Connor in Ottawa, he just says, wow, Giancarlo Stanton bailed out by Reese McGuire, the third base coach, for not having the worst base running of the day. A win is a win is a win, so we'll take it. I don't know if actually you
1: saw when he got thrown out by Dubon. Yeah. So I, I listened to it on the radio, oh, but it man. was kind of like John Sterling was just like, whoa, he's way out. And I was like, all right, that's
0: got to be about half the base. Yeah, it was. it's it's true, though. If you see that highlight, well, first of all, I kind of thought that Espinal might take that a little bit because that's a, a true blunder. Uh, he's you just probably on have. the podium,
1: you know, bronze yeah. medal
0: finish. Sure. But uh, I think today, ultimately, it's true. The uh, the the gold medal, unfortunately, goes to uh to Reese McGuire. It's it's it is just wild to think how this game ended. And and yeah, I definitely was kind of cursing myself, like thinking, boy, like if only they had gotten one more run when the bases were loaded, and and Espinal makes that mistake and gets caught. I I lean less on blaming Kirk for not going from third. Well, I think he was deking the whole way. Yeah, I yeah. think he's
1: just trying to draw a throw, which guys do all the time. So yeah, to me, I, I'm almost sure that Luis Rivera tells him to deke. I mean, you may as well run three steps and run back. Like there's a chance a guy's going to throw the ball way over everyone or way up the line. But if you're Espinal, not only should you probably expect that that ball is not nearly deep enough to score Alejandro Kirk, like everyone understands the running profile of Alejandro Kirk. It's not why he's on a major league roster, but getting from second to third with two outs now, not a big deal. Like Santiago Espinal scores on most singles to the outfield with two outs, given that he's running on contact anyway. So obviously the McGuire blunder, I mean, even bigger somehow, but it it is pretty, it's pretty hard to understand why Espinal would have assumed Kirk is running there and even been aggressive regardless about trying to get to third when I think he's fast enough to score on a single to the outfield with two outs.
0: You want to just get to the, the whole Espinal thing anyways, just like wrap up, wrap up on it because there are a lot of texts yeah. about Sanchez. And, and I mean, I
1: think everyone knows what McGuire did.
0: Yes, ex- <laughs> we'll let exactly. we'll
1: like W.E.I. or someone else deal with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know what the our, our equivalent is on, on Red Sox. I don't know if it's called Red Sox talk or what uh, no have idea. you. Yeah. But um, I, I think Rob Bradford might have a hand in that and does great work for uh, for W.E.I. But uh, I have, ima- have to imagine the, uh, the the Boston suburbs are not particularly pleased with <laughs> that the way that game ends. But uh, Espinal though, certainly getting a lot of attention in a not very positive way unfortunately and and again like i think he probably stays on the roster for now but because David schneider is now here and David schneider okay like it's like a super small sample size obviously Fair. very small sample size but now he has what uh five hits in two games including a home run and a walk in in those two games going back to of course just yesterday but if, if there is if there is something there and i think there is if there is something there with David Schneider, when Bo eventually comes back, is the move simply to just send Espinal down and you keep you keep someone like David Schneider up with the major league roster?
1: I, I mean, I think I'll answer by by process of elimination of who's on the bench. So obviously you're going to have one catcher on the bench yes. and that's what it is. right? And then Paul DeYoung, who, I mean, congrats to him, comes up with his first Blue Jays hit today. I, I think when you trade for a guy mid-season you're not going to send him down to the minors. Like I think he he has more track record in his career as a hitter and I think is a better defensive shortstop at this point than Santiago Espinal has been this year. That leaves then an Espinal versus Biggio thing, which I think a lot of people have texted us and called us on both sides of that this year. And I really think at this present point, I mean, Espinal has a slight batting average advantage, but he hits right. So does Davis Schneider, who plays second base. If you have DeYoung, you don't need Espinall as your backup shortstop. Biggio is faster and is hit for more power. And although there's a batting average advantage for Espinall, Biggio has made up for that OBP wise in terms of walking more. Yeah. I, I think that it with DeYoung and Schneider, it becomes a little bit redundant. Mm-hmm. You can play Biggio at third if you need to. I'd be interested. You probably could play DeYoung at third if you need to. Sure. And I think there's a chance you could play Schneider at third if you need to. I don't think we're going to see Flatty at third. But um, (laughs) I I think that he, at this current point, is probably in the most trouble. Now, again, you said it's two games for Schneider. There is at least another week, and I would guess more than that until Bo comes back. I don't think Ernie Clement is is pushing Espinall. He has hit pretty well in eight at-bats this year. He has four hits. Credit to him for taking advantage of the opportunity. Sure. But it, they would have brought him up more, I think, if he had a better chance. But I, I, he's certainly in a much weaker spot than we would have thought last year when this was like a month removed from him making the All-Star game as a replacement. And I, I think that he is in a little bit of trouble. It's just hard to know because of... How much time
0: there could be until Bo returns? I think that's that's probably the biggest thing that's standing in the way of it happening. And I'm not going to say like right now, but certainly if if the, some of the play, especially defensively, comes back and and it's still happening by the time Bo comes back, then yeah, I think it's true because you're, because you're right, you, and you, you you covered it great. It's just the idea that the the biggest strength for Santiago Espinal as a player, is, it's certainly not as bad it's his defensive acumen, right? Yeah. And and we have now seen, even just, like, even if you want to ignore the rest of the season, like, even going back to the West Coast road trip, when that massive implosion against the Los Angeles Dodgers, and he was a big part, of, unfortunately, he was a big part of that. And now I know Will Smith on that particular play, he just, like, never stopped running, and he just kept yeah, going. good base but, I, I, So I, I, you kind of, I have to credit the Dodgers a little bit there as well, but, I mean, like, just, you can't have the mental mistakes for someone like Santiago Espinal and stay up on the roster, especially especially now that david schneider has at least shown there is something there and again i'm not i i'm not ready to make any sweeping declaration as much as as fun as it is i'm not ready to make any sweeping declarations About Davis Schneider until until I just see it happen more
1: like a week maybe yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly
0: we have literally concluded two games in Davis Schneider's major league career and again don't get me wrong he had three hits and a walk today a day after having two hits including a home run the day before so like there clearly is something there and he's he's a young enough guy that you feel he can grow especially at the major leagues because I'm frankly I'm not really sure what there is left for him to learn in the minor leagues because he was just raking at basically every, every level, level right? He's so I, every single level. I was not really sure what the point of sending him back down at this point would be if only if beyond just roster manipulation. So I, I do kind of wonder when it comes to Schneider, you know what he's, he's, I don't want to say he is entirely men, Espinal redundant, but like we're very close. I
1: will say, and here's an interesting thing, depending on how optimistic or pessimistic you are. I think there's two factors with Bo's injury. If Bo comes back, but has to DH to start, then I think Espinal has a chance to stay up, even if it cost Schneider a spot for a, a short time, because I think you want to have two short stops. I, I, I believe that in a real big pinch, Matt Chapman might be able to play short, but then who's playing third. And, and I, you know, I don't think you want Matt Chapman and Kevin Biggio on the left side of your infield, mm-hmm. if possible, yeah, like yeah. It, I think it could hap- happen if you needed it to, but if possible, and then also, if, in another way, for Bo Bichette, let's say it's three and a half weeks from now, sure. in September, the roster expands. You get one more position player and you get one more pitcher. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's a ton of guys pushing Espinal after that. Like, Bo comes back, and maybe for the first 26 guys, Espinal has a tough time breaking into that group. But then it's like Espinal versus Ernie Clement versus Nathan Lucas. I know that there's been a lot of buzz around Barger. It's possible. He's been hurt a lot of this year uh, and had a slow start. He's hitting a lot better recently, but I don't know. I, I think Lucas also sometimes falls into the redundant skill set. He's, yeah. he's a lefty hitter with a good eye who can play first base. Brandon Belt today and for a lot of the season has provided, I think, a lot of that for them. So even, you know, I think there could be a short-term thing for Espinal too, where maybe Bo comes back, Espinal goes down, but then he comes back when... The Blue Jays all of a sudden have uh, an extra roster spot because he is kind of also their backup third baseman. I, I think Biggio could play there. I think is their preferred backup third baseman. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, the hitting of Schneider coupled with, you know, frankly, you mentioned the LA thing, and then today, like these were mental mistakes too, which I think it, I think always tends to hurt more. Yeah, Look, than if, physical if, a, if a ball
0: mis- eats you up or something, I, I feel like sometimes you can kind of excuse it. it. Just happens yeah. sometimes. I mean, every yeah.
1: player makes errors. Like. But the mental errors, I think, are tougher to live with.
0: Yeah, there's a text here from Andrew in Kitchener. He d- he just says, Little League stuff from Espinall. How are you not watching the runner in front of you? His job is taken by Davis Schneider. He's wasting a roster spot for Barger. And uh, similarly, Chris in Vancouver, time to call up Barger, either option or DFA Espinall. Too many excusable, inexcusable, pardon me, mistakes this year for a 26th man. Barger is a better hitter than DeYoung, too, in my opinion. Uh, just real quick, before we go to the phones, I... um. On DeYoung, and I said this to you at the trade deadline, but it, it does kind of seem to me that if Espinal has been made redundant, it kind of feels like knowing that DeYoung has two more options remaining, it's both club options, one for next year and the one for the year after, and then he is a UFA. I believe the option for next year is $12.5 million, and the option for the following year, 2025, is $15 million. So it's like a decent amount of change for a guy who is perhaps... Not going to see a lot of playing time behind someone like Bo Bichette, especially if his natural quote unquote position is at short. But it does kind of feel like perhaps it is worth the Blue Jays, and it kind of feels like that's part of the reason they traded for him. But, you know, beyond being insurance for Bo, that it going forward into next year, Deong is probably like to a certain extent insurance if both merrifield and chapman leave in free agency which is like entirely possible
1: yeah i think right now it's probably undecided on what they want to do they right. have the safety valve of per the terms of the deal st louis pays the buyouts right if they don't want to which could also leave the option for them let's say they and DeYoung liked it. Maybe he wanted some more security than just a one-year option and they wanted to pay less. You could always have St. Louis pay the buyout and then do a cheaper deal for two or three years, potentially. I I think, you know, he got his first hit today as a blue Jay, which I think is big. I think that his offensive ceiling is pretty high as we've seen in his major league career, you know, when he was an all-star and hit 30 homers and, and had some really good seasons, the floor also the last couple of seasons appeared to be pretty low. So, I think they have to see more from him offensively, but if they do, you're right. It it could be interesting if he can hit enough to justify value at third or second, which are important positions, but slightly less important than short. It would provide them with a safety valve valve because uh, Chapman, I think frankly is probably as good as gone. You never know. Uh, but probably will field a pretty big offer as he's one of the top free agents in the class. And then Merrifield could be searching for long term security. There's no guarantee, even though his option is 18 million, that he opts in, opts into that mutual. Although you mentioned, I want to say a couple of weeks ago that it, that if he opts in and the Blue Jays opt out, he gets like 500k or yeah, something yeah. like if he, that. If just, the Blue Jays just decline just the option,
0: they'll pay him a half a million dollars. That's pretty fun. <laughs> um,
1: but I I still think that it's up in the air whether he opts into that too. So it is. It does give them a bit of a safety valve there. I think.
0: 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. Let's go to the phones. Chris joining us from the 401. Chris, uh, how's the traffic out there right now?
2: It's very light today. All I'm right. actually just getting close to Kingston, and Sweet. I guess everybody is uh, at where they're already at because I'm loving it.
0: Nice. Well, I appreciate you joining us. Drive safe, but uh, what's on your mind?
2: I'm a first-time caller, and I love the show, and uh, I just got First off, I like to talk about Kirk, and we all know he's just a giant liability on the base path. Um, he should have he should have been able to score. You know, I mean that ball was hit pretty deep, and the fact that he went and then he went back, and you know, I mean, I think him and Espinol are going to have to kind of share the blame for that 50-50, But you know, I mean, Kirk should have been able to score in on that one. And you know, I mean that if if that Red Sox, you know the the play the ball that uh, Kiermaier caught had been off the wall. And they had tied it up or something and then scored another one. Kirk not being able to score could have cost us the game there. You know what I mean? He's a, he's a big leaguer, man. He should be able to do that. Um, the other thing, too, I wanted to bring up is that us, outside of those guys taking, you know, accepting the blame for making mental errors on the base pass or Kirk just not being physically able to score from third base, where where's the third base coaches on this? On both sides, the Red Sox do. The whole job of these guys standing there is to direct the traffic around third base. And I think both of them dropped the ball as well.
1: Thank you very much for the call. I, w- I will say just starting on the third base coach note uh, on the McGuire play. I, I think I probably agree. It was weird. I saw like it, it's hard to know because we can't hear what they're saying. It looked
0: like there was some sort of hand gesture, but it, it did look like he put his hand up and started wheeling his finger. So it kind yeah, of, it did like, kind of look like he was telling McGuire to go, so I would to yeah. Chris's point. I would he would I don't know what the guy's name is, but I would he'd probably wear some of the blame.
1: For I, sure. I think on the Rivera one, to be honest, I, I think he is telling Kirk to do what Kirk did. I mean, I I I tend to disagree that Kirk would score on that play. i He is second percentile sprint speed in all of baseball. Like yeah. we can talk about whether if you want to make opinions on whether guys should have that run tool at that level or not in the majors. That's up to your opinion, but I. I just don't think, especially with Whit Merrifield coming up to, who's the best contact hitter you have on the 26-man roster right now, I just don't know with a guy with a solid arm in Adam Duvall in right field, if sending someone who is slower than per stat cast 98% of Major League Baseball is worth it. I, I I think that holding Kirk is frankly the right play, and I have to imagine that Uh, He and Luis Rivera were in concert there to say start and stop. It's a pretty common move when you don't think that you can score. You sprint five steps, see if the guy's going to airmail a throw. And if he throws it to the backstop, you go. And if not, he goes back. I don't know about you show, but I, when it was hit, I didn't have a feeling that Kirk could score on that
0: ball. Yeah, it, it did. Based on where the ball landed, in the outfield and it's not Alex Verdugo out there and by the way he was sitting in the dugout today so whatever Alex Verdugo did like, you're hoping certainly it's not anything really serious but if it's like a disciplinary thing then he must have done something to earn not playing even in, in such a situation at the end there but either way he uh, when, when the ball for the Kirk situation when the ball landed in right field it didn't seem that deep for kirk and i i get chris's point because he's a major leaguer he should be able to make those plays but just knowing what we know i i admit as soon as i saw where it landed because it was kind of a, it looked like it was a couple of couple of feet maybe ahead of the warning track it wasn't oh, even, it, it, it wasn't that it was deep.
1: 286 feet okay, so, so it was
0: it was pretty significantly ahead of the wall so there you go so if that if that's the case then i don't know i i i wonder if you're right that Rivera was telling him to do exactly what he did the whole way. But if that's the case, then like Espinall just has to wait. He he has to wait until that is done.
1: I just don't see the the real, the only small advantage you gain from getting to third on that play, even if Kirk's going, is that you'd score on a wild pitch. He's going to score on a Whitmerfield single with two outs anyway. And like he's running on contact with two outs in that situation. If Kirk, let's say Kirk scores, he tags and scores. If Espinal stays at second and now it's first and second with two outs and Merrifield lines the ball with the biggest lead you'll get at any base, second base, and yep. the biggest secondary you'll get at any base, and the fact that there's two outs so you're running on contact, Espinall is not like 80th percentile sprint speed. He's actually slightly below average, but slightly. Like he will score on that play, and I just don't think there's any business to be that far out.
0: 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. Back to the phones we go. Colin calling in from Illinois. Colin, welcome to J-Stock. What's on your mind? Hi. Uh, I just have a question about Eric Swanson. If you sure. think he's still like a, a setup guy, an 8-9 guy, since we have the addition of Jordan Hicks. Uh, he's kind of slipped up today. And I'm just thinking of the
3: Dodgers loss we had from a week ago.
0: Yeah. Hey, Colin, it's a, it's a valid question. Thank you for joining us here on J-Stock. Appreciate the call. You know, I, I see another text here, kind of to Collins' point, Ben, from Andrew and Kitchener. He just says, Swanson is not a closer. They need to stop putting him in that spot. Hicks would have been a better bet, even though he's pitched three out of the last four games. I, I do well, disagree I'd with that just because... Answer
1: the question in the text, the three out of four.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure you really want to play, especially with a short bullpen. I'm not sure you want to play around with it. I I do understand going to Swanson because he is... I mean, we, you were talking about it when we were kind of joined in-game with Ben about... Swanson cashing another save Uh, uh, he's on his way to blowing through the uh, appearances he he said last year it was his 51st appearance and I think last year and the entirety of the season was what 57 appearances so you know what I I, I do get the question because he has looked a little bit less effective as of late and I feel like prior to his last outing when he had that Houdini act a couple of a couple of games ago he, uh, what you remember when he came in with the bases loaded and nobody. Yeah, out? I mean, it's worth
1: noting. Like he just came off a ridiculous yeah, appearance for yeah. the blue chase and then a save <laughs> like yeah. in the last week.
0: So I, I don't, I, am not quite there yet with taking him out of this, the save situations. Having said that when all of Trevor Richards, Jordan Romano are back, Jordan Hicks is available because he hasn't been pitching three out of four games. Then yeah, I, I actually do think Swanson probably is not going to be the guy you go to for saves situations, you're still going to see him be used yeah. in leverage situations, certainly. Because the splitter, even though it, it has been like, you know, he's slightly less effective prior to the, the the bases loaded, no out situation that he got out of, but you know what? I, I mean, he's he's not a closer. I will I will say that he's like, he he no, is. They don't I don't want him to be the closer. Yeah. Their closer's just hurt. He is he is being put into a situation that he is not going to be in long term because I mean look, look last night, and again I know it was three out of four days. Jordan Hicks threw nine pitches. He got nine strikes for four outs. Like, that's absurd. That's yeah. And I know he had some command issues, so on, earlier on. But if, if Hicks and Romano and you're hoping Chad Green are your guys above Swanson, I think you're probably in a good spot.
1: Yeah, I think when when they have their closer back, you can, like, you ideally want more than one setup guy. Because in the playoffs or in the race up to it, there's going to be lots of close games. And you're going to go to your eighth inning guys a lot, like you did three out of four days With Jordan Hicks, I I don't support using guys four out of five days. I I think that that's how you lead to some of the slipping up that and the fatigue that Eric Swanson has had at times in the middle part of this season. And I think that Hicks, you know, this year has walked a lot of left-handed batters. Um, I, I think that it makes sense in a lot of cases once Romano is back that Hicks will take on more of the righty heavy eighth innings. Swanson will take on more of the lefty heavy eighth innings because the splitter plays well to left-handed batters as it breaks away and I think that you can deploy them also in different situations like when you bring in a Swanson with the bases loaded in I think it was the seventh inning of that uh, Kevin Gossman start Mm -hmm. or maybe the sixth but I think the seventh inning uh, and he ends up not allowing a single run so it it wasn't his greatest performance today there was a, a ground ball infield single Reese McGuire hit a ball near his ankles There was a ground ball single that found a hole that wasn't hit very hard. The Connor Wong ball was probably by far the best contact of that. And sometimes the monster fools you. Like that ball would have been, I think, 10 to 15 feet in front of the wall at Rogers Center. Still like solid contact, but the monster is very shallow. So I don't know. I, I still have pretty good faith in Eric Swanson. I think that he's pitched Pretty well for the Blue Jays, and he hadn't gone in in multiple days and has saved the game in both of the last two times that the Blue Jays have asked him to.
0: I see a text here, or pardon me, a tweet. Sorry, this was from our, our producer, a very talented producer, Armin Zargarian. He just forwarded this uh, tweet from Chris Cotillo, who uh, is a Red Sox beat writer for masslive.com. Cattillo just tweeted this out like 10 minutes ago, Ben. He says an enraged Alex Cora says Verdugo was not available today due to a quote unquote manager's decision. We took a step back today and he called it again, quote unquote, one of the worst days he has had since taking over in 2018. So uh, not very happy individuals right now in the uh, Red Sox clubhouse.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we knew that something was going on. When he didn't come in at all, especially in that ninth, like there's, you know, the the go ahead run is on base and there are clear spots to pinch hit him. And so, you know, you don't want to speculate too much before you know about these things because you wouldn't want to accuse someone of having some sort of issue disciplinary wise or otherwise, if it wasn't true, but, uh, yeah, manager's decision. Mm. I think we can all, uh, we could all read through the lines. There was someone I'm trying to f- figure out or remember who it was who used to always just say manager's decision <laughs> when they asked him why he did this or that. I'm I'm gonna look for right. it. But uh yeah, that I mean it's huge for the Blue Jays. Like absolutely massive. It's one of their better players, even if he is slumping.
0: That's Ben Shulman. I'm show Ali. Let's take a quick break, Ben. And when we come back, we'll go back to the text line: five ninety five ninety name and location. Uh, people's text line always open, certainly. And we'll go back to the phone lines as well. We're here until the top of the hour. You're listening to Jay Stock on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
3: The way the ball's been flying the last two days, you know, you think that's kind of off the wall at the at the very least. Um, you know, but you never underestimate the power of Kevin Kiermaier in the outfield. Uh, so you take advantage of a base running mishap by Reese. Um, we kind of gave him one on the top of the ninth two, so... Um, yeah, I mean, definitely wasn't um, wasn't easy, a little, little stressful. But, you know, you, at the end of the day, you have the right guys against the right guys in the lineup. And uh, KK made a great play.
0: That is John Schneider speaking to the media about the wild final play of this one, which was a 5-4 Blue Jays win. Reese McGuire getting doubled off to end the game on what ended up being a Connor Wong Fly out, but uh, Blue Jays do get the series win, and they will look for the series sweep tomorrow. I'm not really sure who's starting for the Red Sox tomorrow because it will be a bullpen day. Chris Murphy very likely to get the bulk of the work. He was basically the only pitcher who has not pitched for the bo- on the Boston <laughs> active roster right now. having Kenley
1: Jansen, the closer, yeah, right?
0: That's right. Kenley yeah. Jansen has not had an opportunity to close, so Jansen I'm probably will pitch tomorrow if, they, if the situation warrants it. But uh, Chris Murphy, the other main guy who uh, has not pitched, so likely going to see a bulk roll tomorrow. But for the Blue Jays, it'll be Chris Bassett on the mound who will try and grab a series sweep in Beantown. Uh, welcome back to Jay's Talk, of course, across the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm Ali. That's Ben Shulman. Uh, before we go back to the phones and before we, go, before we go back to the text line as well, let's get to the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can bet on things like player props, totals, or game outcomes across many different sports. 19-plus play responsibly, Ontario only so actually a couple of the AL East games were actually done before the Blue Jays got going today against the Boston Red Sox the uh, Houston Astros losing to the New York Yankees so of course two teams right in the thick of the wildcard race Yankees winning 3 to 1 in Justin Verlander's return to Houston Rays losing to the Detroit Tigers of all teams 4 to 2 Tigers double up the Rays uh, right now the Orioles in the bottom of the second inning, they're up two nothing Ben on the New York Mets who just got crushed by the Orioles last day and also got crushed by them, by the Kansas city Royals This is a game before that hey, so. hottest <laughs> team in baseball. Yeah. They've been they're just trying wild. to keep their seven game win streak alive. Although I think they're losing right now. Bobby junior is having, having a phenomenal like last seven to 10 days, but they're uh, winning. Sorry. They're uh, winning. <laughs> they, well, like, how, you doubt the Six mighty Royals over the my, Phillies. My goodness. But uh, right now, The uh, Orioles are up two nothing thanks to a two run jack from Gunnar Henderson. So with all that being said, here's how the division stacks up right now. So this is live, but the uh, Orioles are 68 and 42 entering play. The Rays after their loss, 67 and 46. The Blue Jays with their win, 62 and 50. They're 12 games above 500, just four and a half games back, by the way, of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, the Yankees are 58 and 53 and the Boston Red Sox with the loss are 57 and 53. So they are a half game back of the Yankees and sit at the bottom of the American League East. Uh, real quick, we were talking about this off air. Gunnar Henderson with this two run jack today is 19th of the of the season, Ben. Gunnar Henderson, is he the front runner for the American League Rookie of the Year or is it still Josh Young of the Texas Rangers? It's
1: really interesting uh, because both teams are really good too and both guys are a huge part of it. I think, you know, especially here in Toronto, we probably pay a lot more attention to Henderson, but that's because the Blue Jays play the Orioles 13 times a year as well and they're only playing the Rangers, what, six times this season. So it, it is, it's really close I kind of tend to lean young. You know, I, I think he, he's the better defender. Yep. Henderson's a more versatile defender, but Josh Young is legitimately like already one of the best third baseman uh, in the American League. He's played more games. He's got a huge RBI lead. He has 21 homers. He hit a homer today too. Uh, I do think there's like some sneaky JP France and Hunter Brown stuff coming from the Astros starting rotation as well. But uh, I, I think Eileen young right now, but Henderson's making, making it really close. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can uh, keep this going because the trajectory would say that in a couple of weeks, his numbers could pass young's and then he could really take it over. But as it stands right now, I go,
0: Young. it's a, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch those two guys. Unfortunately, Gunnar Henderson plays for the Orioles, but uh, it, it is going to be a lot right. of fun watching them just from a general baseball perspective uh, going forward. Let's go back to the phones, Ben. four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety one triple 590 one star 590 on your cell. We'll go back to the text line in a sec. But first, the phones. Mark joining us on J-Stock. Mark, what's on your mind? Welcome to J-Stock.
2: Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, I mean, think a frustrating game today to watch, even though they won.
3: But the biggest frustration to me is Guerrero, and it's been off season. And I really wonder, or you guys think about the fact that he had his best season in a year where they were playing in AAA parks for a good chunk of it. And I wonder if he's actually the hitter people think
0: he is. Hey, Mark, I appreciate the call. It's a, it's a definitely a valid question, at the very least. I think there like there is a, a valid question to be asked as to whether or not Vladdy is, and you and I have talked about this idea before, Ben, whether or not Vladdy is elite or, or quote-unquote, just very good. And there is a difference and I still think there's some runway to to leave him, at, to consider him elite, or you hope at the very least, right? Because certainly I would agree with Mark in the sense that we maybe he is what he is at this point, albeit still very young. But uh, you know what? Vladimir Guerrero Jr., we got some text here kind of along the same lines. Adam in Port Elmsley says, I want to hear your thoughts on Vladdy. 0 for 5 today. Grounds into a DP with the bases loaded. Left the guy on third after popping out. Can he just not hit with runners in scoring position this year? Jason and Calgary, when does Vladdy get called out for being inconsistent? He can't string two games together. All five of his ABs are awful. I know you're not taking him out of the lineup, but it's time for him to put his big boy pants on and start holding him way more accountable. I did say this to you on the local pregame show before the before we got started today, before the game, but simply that, especially with Bo out, but certainly when he's healthy, when the whole crew is healthy, you, it's, this is still necessary, but especially with Bo out, you need more from your biggest bats. And you know what? I'll give George Springer all the credit in the world. The guy got on, what, four or five times today? Five times. Five times yeah. he had four hits and a walk. And
1: two infield singles, but, it, you know, it worked out. Some luck turning for him.
0: But I, but you know what? And we can talk about Springer in a sec, but for Springer looks like maybe it against small sample size, but looks like the worm might be turning for Springer. And you know what? I, I kind of agree with the texters in that. Again, he, Vladdy, seems to be a little bit more inconsistent. Like on that double play, he a little bit late on the high heat. Like he swings at the center cut fastball at 98 miles an hour. And that right before he hits into the double play. And then you get him popping up with runners on the corners in two outs in his next day. Beat. like, you just need more. From Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with with Bo on the shelf.
1: Yeah, I, I do think I, I disagree at the point he can't hit with runners in scoring position for, for what it's worth. His numbers are actually much better with runners in scoring position and especially two outs in runners in scoring position than they right. are in, in some of those situations without. And he's a two ninety three hitter. I think it, the one critique I'd have for him with runners in scoring position this year is kind of like the finale against the Orioles. Too many singles not enough extra base hits, uh, not enough home runs and stuff like that. The, the 2021 case study I do think is interesting because I, I fall a little bit in the middle. I, I don't think you can ignore the park factors that exist at Salem Field and the factors that exist at TD Ballpark. They're incredibly Homer happy ballparks, mm-hmm. and Vladdy did a lot of damage there. That being said, he played 44 total games of an 162-game season at Salem Field. And sorry, at Salem Field and TD, and TD Wahlberg, right. like 41, 44 games total of his season. He hit a lot of home runs on the road. He hit 10 of his home runs at Rogers Center. So here's what I think about that as a whole. Do I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a 50 homer guy? He hit 48 homers that year. Someone who's going to, you know, go back and forth with the Shohei Otanis and Aaron judges and, you know, a healthy Pete Alonzo's and stuff in terms of, home run total. I don't happen to believe that he is that type of guy. Do I think that he led the league in on base percentage and put up in a thousand OPS and was in the MVP running just because he played 44 games at Salem field and T ballpark. I also don't think that's true. I, I think that there is more you can ask from Vladdy. I think that that was the first time, like he had been a good hitter in 2019, especially given the fact he was a 20 year old rookie he had been an even better hitter in 2020 in a smaller sample size. After 2021, he takes up way more of your scouting report than he used to. There's no other way around it. He he completely blew away what he had ever done. And teams, frankly, most teams go into the ballpark against the Blue Jays and think, we need to retire Vladimir Guerrero Jr. today. Yeah. And that's something he has to deal with. That's what elite players have to deal with. And he has to fight through that i i i certainly think that he has the ability to be an elite baseball player but yeah he's going to have to show it and i don't think that this season is going to be an elite year for him there there are good players who have down years there are great players who have down years sure. frankly um but i i wouldn't i wouldn't say that because he played at Salem field and td ballpark that that whole 2021 season is like a farce i i don't think anyone's you know, going after Marcus Simeon these days, frankly, uh, and he, like, shattered
0: the second-base home run record that year. But see, the difference with Miss Simeon is that he, at the very least, has kept up playing. I mean, he had but a bad season the last pa- year. Not at the paces that he's, this like, is true
1: even this year, it's 8.07 OPS, which is still, like, 70 points lower. You know, he hit 45 home runs in that season for the Blue Jays. He has 17 homers this year. Yeah. I, I think it's a factor. Sure. But there's a multitude of factors.
0: Yeah. It, like I I, think. I, I fall on the side of the minor league ballpark thing. I, I fall on more, you know, like it definitely is a factor, like you're saying, but, a, but when you're hitting like a home run, 450 feet, like that's going out in any ballpark, right? Like that's yeah. going, that's a home run in 31 of 30 ballparks, essentially. When you, if you count the minor league places
1: and he hit 32 last year, that's yeah. a very good home run total. Like at times, I, you know, Blue Jays fans have been spoiled by someone like a Jose Bautista who we'll talk about a lot next weekend. It's true. 32 home runs at age 23 is really good and he's still so young. I know people are really tired of hearing that. Most major leaguers haven't even debuted by this point. Davis Schneider is the same age as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Adley Rutschman is older than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like there's still
0: a lot to be done and hopefully for the Blue Jays it's with Vladdy in a Blue Jay yeah. uniform. I think the the problem I think more than anything else is simply that Certainly the 2021 season heaped a lot of expectations on what you can expect from him going forward. But I think also because he is so often mentioned in the same breath as Fernando Tatis Jr. and Ronald Acuna Jr. and Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto and all of these guys, like certainly less so Shohei and Judge and stuff because they're a little older, right? But like his, you know, quote unquote contemporaries because he is included in those conversations and then you do see Ronald Acuna Jr. take some time to round back into form after a grisly ACL injury but then he comes in and he's probably like the, the NL MVP frontrunner candidate, right? Like Fernando Tatis Jr., makes some dumb decisions, misses time because of suspension, comes back and rakes like immediately, essentially, yeah. right? So I think, I think it, I know comparison is the the thief of joy, basically, but I, I, well, I'm not sure you necessarily want to always be comparing Vladdy, but it you, you are going to compare him to some of his contemporaries, like to a certain extent. Then look at Julio Rodriguez. I mean, he's having
1: a, a far worse season this than is Vladimir too. Guerrero Jr. is at the plate. And again, Vladdy is having a down year. It has not been good enough. He was not good today. Yeah. I, I'm not here to say that what he's doing is good enough or that everything has been great. But I do think that there are still like levels to this thing. I mean, I go look at, at his father, probably the person he'll be compared to the most in his major league career. And he didn't even really break in until 23. His first all-star season was at 24, the same age that Vlad is now. Like there's still time to figure things out. Maybe not this season. Maybe, maybe this is just a year. That's not good. enough. But I, I think that, there is still room to grow, and the good news for the Blue Jays is this was a day that they got contributions from a ton of guys, a lot of hits with runners in scoring position, which they haven't gotten a lot of this year. Five for twelve—that's uh, an average over four hundred. Yeah, it's like four sixteen, four seventeen. If my math serves.
0: Good for you for doing that on, in your head. No problem.
1: Uh,
0: it's more about uh, watching
1: too much baseball than knowing math, really. But I—I, <laughs> um, I, you know, it has to be better. But I don't think, you know, yesterday people would have called in and and loved his performance. He had a home run and a double. So it's, it's, you got to take it day by day and hope that things improve uh, over the long run. But yeah, it hasn't been a good year. I'm not here to say that, that uh, it has been a good year for him.
0: Uh, I wanted to get to this couple of texts before we go back to the phones. But Jimmy in uh, Hinton says, what a grizzled veteran Springer is. Instead of forcing his way out of his slump, he just made the adjustment, puts the ball in play. Great leader by example. Connor from Ottawa. Connor actually says, this is a different Connor from Ottawa because we did read a previous Connor from Ottawa text. for Connors from Ottawa. It's very true. I I can't imagine we get that very often. Uh, He just says, let's get a shout out for Springer's performance tonight. His slump is over for sure. Now again, like a big, big one. I'm big on saying, I've said it about multiple people today. Small sample size. But you know what? It, it it was nice. And despite the infield singles for Springer, it was nice to see him just get more. Because, again, I've said this to you before, but the just the idea of Springer and you talk about the, you know, perhaps like you knew you knew the entire time when he signed that ginormous deal that there would come a part of that contract that the Blue Jays would have to either eat or consider moving by moving assets with him because by the end of that contract he would just be a little bit older and ultimately, you know what? You're not, very few players remain that productive into your late late stages of your career. But you kinda also thought it wasn't gonna come this year well, this soon. is year three of yeah. a six year deal. Right. Yeah. He, yeah he, not he, this he year. You didn't <laughs> think it was going to come now. And it's nice to see after that over thirty five red right, obviously he broke it not going over thirty six. That was at the Rogers Center and he was very excited. And then today and yesterday really to see him get off the Schneid. It's it's just it's it's great to see because again with Nobo, the the responsibility in my opinion falls on the top of bats. And just as we talked about Vladdy and how you need more from him, you have gotten more from George Springer, which is definitely a positive.
1: Yeah, I think this is actually even goes back to a couple of days before he ended up getting that hit. I think the process changed for him a little bit in the Angels series. A lot of loud flyouts. Yeah. And and I think that's just baseball. Like to be honest today, like a lot of his hits were, you know, there were two infield singles and one ground ball up the middle, a ground ball up the middle is, is a bit of good timing, but it's also a bit of good fortune. He lined one ball that was off the plate to right field, which was really impressive. I'll say that he's definitely being more selective. It's a walk in four straight games. And I think that that is a big bonus for him, but you do need it to continue. I think he had a great game and it's big for the blue Jays. And he had a big game yesterday with the double as well. But if we're going to talk this year to last year or this year to two years ago, there is no one with a steeper fall off in production right now than him. He needs some of these big games. He needs a patented Springer hot streak. And it looks like we're getting one right now with the, with a simplified approach. But like uh, we've said many times, sample size going to need a a couple (laughs) more of these games on this road trip to continue for me to like officially declare the slump over. He does need
0: to get on base five times.
1: but no, he I, need I to prefer just... <laughs> more
0: power. To be yeah. honest, like a, you know, a,
1: a home run for the first time since July seventh. And again, I'm not here to come down on someone who just had a great game. He did have a very good game. Blue Jays now need to see more of it.
0: one triple A 90 star five ninety on your cell. Let's get to one more call. Gee from Maple. Gee, what's on your mind?
3: Hey guys, just a comment and a question. I just want to say what a joy it's been to watch Davis Snyder's first uh, two Major League Baseball games. He's put in more good at bats in two games than some guys have done in two months, and it's really great to see. And I just I hope this kid continues to uh, to succeed because you can't help but root for this guy. Uh, you know, seeing that he, what he's gone through, and he's been awesome the first two games. And you could see the whole uh, the whole dugouts uh, has seems to got some uh, momentum. So start off by saying that and then just look at that question. I'm kind of on the, um, on the Addison Barger call up uh, train as well. I know Espinal would be the guy that I would want to send down, but I, you know, for the points that you mentioned earlier that, you know, he's your backup shortstop and because he's probably one of the most popular guys in that dugout, I don't know if that's going to sit well, but I guess uh, the guy that would probably be best to go down is, is Biggio because I think bargers are lefty if I'm not mistaken. And, um, I'm just my, my question is it's a two part question is of baggio and espinal do both of them have options to be sent down and if barger gets called up on september 1st it, does he qualify for the playoff roster if he does show that you know he might be valuable enough if he, he's called up and he puts up some good at bats in september I'll, Hang up and listen, and have a great, uh, great long weekend, guys.
0: Yeah, Gee, guy, have a great long weekend as well. Thank you for joining us here on Jay's Talk. You know, I I do think kind of to one of Gee's points there, because we got to a couple things there, Ben. But I I do think there is something to be said, and I know it's a business, and you can't you got to manage it like a business. There is something to be said for managing the personalities in the clubhouse as well. If if a particular guy is relatively popular right like we like without you and i being in the clubhouse all the time like it's impossible to know exactly how popular let's say espinal is with his teammates or Biggio is with his teammates
1: i'm under the impression they're both very popular yeah to be honest i i from what i know uh which again we're not in there any day i do you know get to go down there a, a solid amount sure. especially uh, in some of the games that uh i'm doing play-by-play for i happen to believe they're they're both pretty popular i'm not sure that one of those versus the other would be determined personality-wise. Yes, right. Um, On on the
0: subject of options. I just mean mean more like getting cut down at all. Not one over the other necessarily, but... It's a factor at the very least.
1: Yeah, I I do think that it's a factor. I think for them, it might cancel out just because of how well liked. I think both of the guys happen to be. Uh, They both have options, by the way. Both can be sent down. And with postseason roster eligibility, it's actually not about the 26-man roster. It's about the 40-man roster, Mm. which Addison Barger happens to be on. So uh, you just have to be on the 40 on August 31st. So they wouldn't have an issue with that as far as I understand it, it's a 40 man roster thing and it's more geared around if you were to add players like uh, I think it was like 2016 they added Chad Pennington super mm. late but I think right. they got him just, just in under the buzzer or something like that or like a New York Jets
0: quarterback Chad Pennington. oh yeah
1: <laughs> uh, um, so um, that that answers that question I still happen to believe that if one of those two were to go down, like I, I, I'm i not huge on them bringing Barger up. Not that I'm not whether I like it or not, mm-hmm. just that I think it's going to happen or not. I, I think he's been hurt a lot of the year and he's just getting into a groove and they might leave him there. Uh, I, I think the more likely thing to unseat one of those guys is Bo coming back. And then to me, it feels more like Espinall's skill set is redundant with some of the guys on the roster. If Schneider stays up again, like Biggio hits left. Uh, he plays the outfield, with, which Espinall doesn't. And if you have DeYoung and you have Schneider, you kind of have enough help yeah. at second, short, third, probably, with the fact Biggio plays third also. And then Biggio, if you are to think about it in terms of playoff stuff, is actually one of the faster guys on the team. Uh, and and I think that pinch running is something that happens a ton in the playoffs. It doesn't happen a lot in the regular season. So, again, it, it's hard to know because we don't know when Bo is coming back and there's a chance that a lot of that stuff happens close to the roster expansion, and neither of the guys go down (laughs) because um, Bo Bichette could come back and they could both be there with 27 on the roster. I know Addison Barger was incredibly impressive in spring training. It's been an up and down season. He's been like, Around league average in the international league right now, and it, it might be worth just getting him more seasoning because he's someone they probably hugely rely on next year uh, in a battle that now could feature Davis Schneider yeah. as well, yeah. uh, and Elvis Martinez, and potentially outside talent for the second and third base jobs.
0: Like there, there is like let's let's say they they don't make any moves for outside talent for second and third base i've said this many times for next I, year for, for next year yeah. yes yeah of course because like, you're not you're not displacing either merrifield or chapman for, for pretty much any reason no. this year and really the only reason merrifield will be displaced is because you're just playing him in left field and someone like schneider is playing at second base yeah. right because merrifield as we've seen i know he had kind of a rough outing today but by and large he's been very good in the in his quote-unquote new leadoff spot so you, you kind of just you kind of do take that into consideration, but I agree with you. I actually really do think there's a very good chance that both Addison Barger and Davis Schneider are in some way a part of the equation going into next year. And like you said, that doesn't account for guys they could pick up in free agency. It's definitely very possible, even perhaps Jamer likely. Candelaria. Yeah, it's it's not impossible. But uh, hey, if you want your guys to give you contributions from within the system, the farm system, then you do actually need guys like David Schneider to contribute, continue contributing. And um, yeah, I'm I'm with you barger. I, I I am excited to see him play as a blue Jay at some point. I just, I'm not convinced it's going to be 2024 in the same way it was for Schneider because, you know, he's rule five eligible. He wasn't on the 40 man. Kind of looked like he had reached his limits of whatever he had to learn in the minors. So it kind of made sense for them to bring him up, especially with the rest of the offense struggling. But hey, great to see Davis Schneider uh succeed. We got a couple minutes left here, Ben. I'm just gonna read you two texts. Okay. Apropos of nothing. Okay. Uh, this one says, uh <laughs> this one just says Reese getting caught passing third base by himself again. And this next oh, one from geez. Mike in Newmarket <laughs> says, it's not the first time McGuire has celebrated a Jack prematurely. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I appreciate it. I, I don't think I can comment.
1: <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the good. Zach Collins trade is looking pretty good. And yes. Zach Collins is a minor leaguer for the C- Cleveland Guardians right is now. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, so I mean, you know, seemed like a very nice guy and actually had some cool moments in his brief Blue Jay tenure. But I I think the Blue Jays today probably felt pretty good about the uh, Reese McGuire, Zach Collins trade for what it's worth. The Red Sox tweeted just uh, final Blue Jays five Red Sox four fifty nine 59 minutes ago, 198 likes. 345 replies to that tweet. Oof. And for those uh, who aren't uh, frequenting Twitter, that's not when people are happy.
0: No, getting, <laughs> getting ratioed on Twitter is. Uh, by your own fans. By fan your own base. fans. Yeah. Yeah. Not, you don't really want that. There was
1: like sell the team in there, which I don't know. They spend like as much as anyone in baseball. But um, yeah, that's for however frustrating I think this game was for a lot of blue jays fans today which i understand uh, doubly for all the red sox i I gotta think so (laughs)
0: blue jays will uh, look to keep that frustration going for the red sox fans not for their own fans tomorrow as they take aim at a series sweep Uh, thank you for listening to blue jays baseball brought to you by crown rust protection new and used vehicle prices are rising and inventory is scarce avoid the hassle of buying prematurely by making your vehicle last longer with crown rust protection for a special summer offer on rust protection visit crown.com today for ben shulman who you just heard Ben Wagner, Tom Young, Armin Zargarian, I'm Sho Ali. A series win over Boston for the first time in 2023. The Jays will aim for another first at Fenway this year. They will take aim at a sweep with Chris Bassett. He's on the mound tomorrow. Ben and I are back to wrap up the series tomorrow afternoon. We'll talk to you then.